This is Brett. And this is Steve. And we're just talking about Star Wars all the time on the Skywalk. Move Milkers, welcome back to the Skywalk episode 116. Welcome back to the Skywalk, Steve. Good to be here, Brett. Steve is filling in for Jeff. Jeff is still out cradling a bundle of joy. And once again, we're very happy for Jeff. Steve, this has actually been a great week for Jeff. Uh, aside from having a newborn Padawan, Jeff's Los Angeles Lakers are back in the Ugh. NBA Finals. I hate this, Steve. Gross. It makes me ill, but I know it's making Jeff very happy. Also, his San Francisco 49ers, despite tying their hands behind their back with injuries, mm-hmm. are just bulldozing teams still. So Jeff must be happy right now. Also, his Oakland Athletics. Okay, hold on. Is this dude from Boston? <laughs> no, he's not from here. He's from the okay. West Coast, yeah. Okay, all right, all right. Before we get into the meat of the episode... Social Meteors. This is where the good move milkers can find us on social media. On Apple Podcasts, search for The Skywalk. Sky is in sky. Walk is in the thing you cook in. Spell W-O-K. Subscribe there and leave us a review. Spotify, same deal. Search for The Skywalk. Disgracebook, facebook.com slash The Skywalk. Twitter, at The Skywalk. Instagram, The Skywalk. And hey, Steve, since Jeff's not here, maybe you can tell us about Potomatic. Star Wars over coffee. Potomatic.com, baby. And all the other social media platforms, Stitcher, Podbean, Amazon, Google, Radio Something or Other, Moof Match, Babu Frick Talk, It's a Trap Chat. Steve, our first topic today yes, sir. comes from the fail bag. Yeah. Yeah. Let me... <laughs> Who is John Little, by the way? <laughs> Let's get that out of the way. Our good friend John wrote in, Steve, commenting on something we very, very briefly touched on last episode, which is this. We discussed chapter six of The Mandalorian season one, the episode called The Prisoner. Mm -hmm. I briefly mentioned that I hate that episode and that you really like that episode. And here's John's comment. He says to me, Steve, to me. Right. You're 100 percent right. And Steve is 1,000% wrong about the prison episode. I think that's easily the worst one. That's interesting. It's interesting. <laughs> it is easily one of the... It's Out of the eight episodes we got, it's probably two, one or two at the bottom. Okay. Of the pecking order of episodes. Yep. But I like it. So I'm not wrong, <laughs> bro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, I don't even get... Who's a better Thai pilot than Dave Filoni? Did you see that guy just <laughs> casually rolling around, rolling in, lighting up that hangar bay? I like how on uh, on the on the show yep. Disney something gallery, the Mandalorian making of. Uh, I like how he said that basically his his acting note was be boring, and he was like, "Can do, <laughs> yeah, yeah, can do." Yeah, I can I can accommodate that request. Um, also, we got a comment. From Logan on Facebook regarding episode 113, Steve. This is when Jeff was around. Uh, episode 113, what to expect when you're expecting a Mando season two trailer. Mm. I don't I guess we talked about Galaxy's Edge on that episode. I don't remember. He said, Galaxy's Edge is amazing. Before everything shut down due to COVID, I would go at least once a month, if not twice. Rise of the Resistance is a big part of Galaxy's Edge and a must ride. Yes, Steve, that's what I've heard. And uh, that's that's the one thing. 
aside from the Toydarian toy maker shop that I'm really missing from that. What I would do, uh, I'm continuing with, with, with Logan's note, what I would like to see happen at Galaxy's Edge is more missions for Smuggler's Run. Another thing that would be cool is a speeder bike, like Flight of the Passage in Animal Kingdom. Steve, didn't they have okay. something like that in the works? I remember hearing something like that early on. You're asking the wrong guy. All right, all right, we'll find out. Maybe we'll check in with our pal Brendan soon. Um, another note. See, this is what I love about Logan's comment, Steve. He's got like yep. a single concise response to every single thing we touched on in that episode, which was a lot. We also talked about Queel. Logan says, if it wasn't for Queel, we really wouldn't have a show. I'm totally with him on that one. He added a ton of weight. He, I think we're going to feel the effect of him. His absence? More. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Let's continue with Logan's love letter to the Skywalk. He says, yes. <clears throat> uh, he's got a question for us, Steve. He says, considering that Ashley Eckstein did the voice for Ahsoka in Rise of Skywalker, do y'all think she'll provide the voice for the live action appearance of her? Like what they did with Darth Vader and Maul and Solo? With Rosario Dawson being a large actress, I believe he means in terms of fame, do you think they'll even do that? I think Logan is answering his own. I think he already has the answer because yes. you don't hire Rosario Dawson to have any kind of speaking role in a show and then dub her. Right. Nobody outside of the super fans know what Ray Park sounds like. Yeah, right. Like true. no idea. Yeah. Okay. So that dub's not a big deal and it was very brief. Yep. But yeah, you don't hire Rosario Dawson to then get dubbed. Right. I love Ashley X9. We I my family and I have met her. We met her at a book signing. She's the best. Awesome. She her forte is voice acting. So you know, people have also said, Oh, Ashley should do the live action. Yeah, no. Right. No, probably not. Right. Uh she's done live action stuff. She was in the like the that tween kids show. She was in an episode of like Jag or NCIS a long time ago. I remember seeing her, but her voice acting is her forte and they're not going to do this if they hire Rosario. Right. I, I can't see it. Right. So I think Logan knows what he's talking about, about the large actress thing. Right. That's my opinion. though. But, and, and plus, you know, we're potentially looking at from, from rumors we've heard yep. that they could, they could certainly spin that off into her own show. And so now, now you'd be talking about, you know, instead of just, you know, maybe for, maybe for a cameo in another show, you could do that, even mm -hmm. though I think even that's unlikely. But then if you're, th if you're thinking about maybe potentially, and I, let's face it, they're always thinking about potentially spinning something off if it's successful, if the fans like it enough. I would watch an Ahsoka and Sabine buddy cop show oh, all yes. day. Steve, do you think yes. that that could be Sabine? I think we touched on this very briefly last time. Oh, the hooded, the hooded figure. The hooded figure in the Mandalorian season two trailer. Played by Sasha Banks. His deal. Uh, could. Yes. Could. I, I just. I don't know. I, see, Steve, I think this whole theory is a, uh, a fandom force projection because. Uh, yeah. I never. Watching that trailer, it never occurred to me that that would be Sabine. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's very likely. I hope it's not Sabine. It, it should be, you know, maybe it's right. another character. And the reason it was immediately in my head that that could be her is only because. There's been so much rumor about Saja Banks playing Sabine. Yeah. I mean, it's all online and yeah. fan-driven, but... I mean, look, you know, and, and it could be... It would probably cause a storm. We don't really you know. know if she can act. You know, frankly, Steve... No, like, no, I've never seen her do anything outside of the wrestling ring. And even that's limited because I haven't watched much wrestling since I was in uh, middle school. Yeah, yeah. But I, you know, frankly, I don't think Gina Carano... Yep. 
is a great actress. I don't think I'm going out on a She's limb not. saying that. You know, like I'm happy she, you know, her character's great. And I'm glad that someone that isn't an actress no. by trade can get that sort of opportunity. And I do like what the qualities that she brought to the show. But, mm-hmm. you know, she's not going to get nominated for a Golden Globe anytime soon. No, um, I think she was really good for that. That I think that she's role. really good for that part. Right. You're talking about, you know, a rugged, you know, forceful uh, shock trooper type. I don't know. There aren't a lot of actresses that really fit the bill. Yeah. Uh, Steve, the last comment we'll read from Logan is this. He says, I would love to see a solo sequel or a series. Only if Alden Ehrenreich plays Han Solo again. The whole cast included in that. So... Yeah, your point is well taken, Logan, that uh, you'd like to see more solo action. There was the rumor that we addressed on this podcast a little while back that allegedly Donald Glover is being given a series to reprise his role as Lando. Mm -hmm. I, too, you know, Steve, I don't think I've gotten your thoughts on Solo, but I have become very, very fond of the movie. Um, I love it. I've watched it so many times now. (laughs) Wow. It definitely underwhelmed me the first time, you know, and it's true. That you go in with expectations, and I was a little underwhelmed, but I enjoyed it the first time, and I actually thought it got better as it went along. And I've grown in fondness for Alden Ehrenreich as well. And so as my, I love the idea of Donald Glover reprising his role as Lando, because I think he's great. He's fantastic. I think it, I'd have even more confidence if they said he was writing it as well mm-hmm. and or directing it. I think that would be amazing. But it does make me a little sad to think that that Solo wouldn't be included, that Alden Ehrenreich wouldn't be in there as well. And ideally, I mean, the whole cast was great. So as many of them as we can get in there, the better. Right. I enjoyed what I got out of the Solo film. It took a long time for me to detach myself from A New Hope on Solo yep. and get me into a spot where, all right, we're seeing Han Solo in a spot where he really hasn't become Han Solo yet. Right. He's Han Solo, sure, but he, he he's not the he's not the degenerate <laughs> that takes the fare to bring these two people to Alderaan. That right. that's not the same guy we got. So that took it took a little while for me to get into that headspace. Financially, I'd be stunned if they announced a solo movie. Yep. A sequel for that movie just because of its performance. Same here. A series? I don't even see a series happening unless it's intertwined at some point with this Lando thing and it's happening in the young Lando stuff. Because the the other part of that Lando series is that Billy D was supposed to be in it as like a like a before and an after. Oh, they would do, okay. They would do two pieces to the series with right. Billy D. Williams post The Rise of Skywalker. They would have scenes with him. Yeah. In some fashion, in you would have flashbacks. In, so he would be the Princess Bride, Peter Falk, telling a story. <laughs> yeah, to jo- to, to Jonna, to jo- Joanna, whatever that. Uh, Jana. That, Jana. Jana. Yeah, yeah, Jana would be the Fred Savage in this scenario. Yeah, that, right. That would be amazing. I would love so, that. So, because we've gotten Alden Ehrenreich as Solo in a feature film. Yep. If we're gonna get Han Solo in live action again in some fashion, in that age. It it has to be Alden Ehrenreich. It's, yep. it's it's way too recent for, I don't know, a recast. No, I agree, and I think, and, and in fact, you know, so so a couple of scenarios cross my mind. One is that you have him yep. sort of do a cameo, right? Where okay, the show's about Lando. It's Donald Glover's show, but it makes sense. 
that he's going to cross paths with Han again, that they're going to be involved in in some of the same stuff. Mm -hmm. I think that would hurt because then you'd be tearing him away again. And like I said, like I'm so fond of him now (laughs) as Han Solo. And, you know, just listening to him in interviews, like it's so clear. I mean, he seems to have matured so much. I mean, any, any, any interview you listen to with Alden Ehrenreich, like he seems to just have such a good grasp of, hey, this is what it was. And this is what we've learned since, you know, he seems to have such a good grasp on it. I would just, I feel like he would even do better now. Sure. I mean, look, Disney plus is hurting for content. So the more you can do, the better. If you can have a Lando series and then maybe you do the same thing where in season two of the Lando series, Solo makes an appearance. And then the next thing you know, you got them all together. Like Marvel, uh, what was it? The Defenders? I never saw that, but I get what you're talking about. Right, where they took like Daredevil had a show and this person had a show and then they brought them all together. To me, that'd be the ideal scenario. Mm -hmm. Steve, we got some news nuggets. Okay. These are recent Star Wars news items. Steve, you in the uh, playing the role of Jeff today. Right. I will tell you these news items and you tell me if you're dipping it or flipping it like a good honking chicken nugget. And you can even tell me what sauce you would use, Steve, you know, to kind of qualify mm-hmm. like an A plus or an A minus. Um, first news nugget. Tony Gilroy steps aside as Cassian Andor director. This one comes to us by way of headline. Deadline, sir. Did I say headline? Yes. Okay. Deadline. Due to COVID-related travel reasons, Tony Gilroy has decided to step aside. He'll still be the executive producer and showrunner of the Cassian Andor series for Disney+, but he'll be replaced as director by Toby Haynes, who directed an Emmy-winning Black Mirror episode called USS Callister. I've never seen that show, Steve. No, I haven't either. And he directed the HBO movie Brexit, starring Benedict Cumberbatch, and also has a highly regarded Amazon series called Utopia, which premiered recently. When I saw this news of Tony Gilroy stepping yep. aside, mm-hmm. I was very pleased. Okay. One of our good pals, Rui, on Twitter, yep. wondered why I was so happy about this. And Steve, my, my answer is, frankly, Tony Gilroy is a complete dink. Uh, he, after he, he came in, I can tell you don't like this, Steve. <laughs> Keep going. Look, here's the deal, Steve. Tony Gilroy came into the Rogue One production, right? Mm-hmm. You're aware yeah. of this whole scenario? Okay, so Gareth oh, Edwards. Yeah, no. Gareth Edwards, like Lord and Miller, thought he was directing a Star Wars movie, and he was until he wasn't. Right. They kick him off, and then they say, we're bringing in Tony Gilroy because he's going to fix it. And the comments that Tony Gilroy made after the movie came out, and was very successful, by the way, were so obnoxious. And I thought just so unprofessional and disrespectful to everyone else who worked on the movie before him that and, and some of his other comments just gave me a vibe of someone who doesn't necessarily love Star Wars. Now, oh, completely. Yeah, you no, don't I have agree. to love Star Wars. I'm not going to throw you in jail for not loving Star Wars, although if I could, I would. But we can't do that. But, you know, that doesn't mean he can't work on Star Wars. But to me, he just seemed like somebody who came in and he sort of treated it like a born movie. And so that's another part of my concern. And, and I, I reference that because that's something that he's worked on in the past. And the thing is, he's very good at what he does, Steve. Mm-hmm. I just question whether what he does is good for Star Wars. Sure. Um, I'm flipping this. All right. Fine. I'm flipping this based on your <laughs> exuberance. Yeah. Your, your delight in this, this news. Oh, so if I came in a little less hot, maybe you'd be more agreeable? Yes. I agree that Tony Gilroy did not come off as the 
delighted to be doing Star Wars guy that we all want. Right. Okay. But the third act of Rogue One, I like so much that I couldn't care less. He could he could have drove through my neighborhood and ran over my dog. And I would have still been okay with him yeah. because of what he did on the end of that movie. Well, Steve, if your dog directed part of the movie before he did, he probably would. Well, you'd probably target him. <laughs> um, but I'm flipping it because I'm not delighted for him to not be doing the actual directing. Okay. You know, I'll throw the nugget out and just drink the sweet and sour sauce. Can, can I tell you what, Steve? I might, I might even like dip my finger in your sweet and sour sauce a little bit. <laughs> Because I, I actually, you know what? After I take the swing. Even after, Steve. Even after. I mean, you have to get tested for COVID. But I think it might be better if he directed than if he writes it. Or, or I don't think he's necessarily right. I mean, he's show running it, right? Which indicates a pretty heavy influence on the show. It might be better if he directed it. Mm-hmm. See, to me, in Star Wars, there's a couple of different things. To be able to write good Star Wars that becomes uh, a beloved part of the Star Wars lore is so different. It's such a different skill than being a good director. Because I think like, sure. there's no question J.J. Abrams is a good director. Right. I, you know, I question his writing, you know, the heart of his writing. Can he, can, he, can he start some threads here and then wrap them up by an end of a movie in a way that feels satisfying? And, and then you add the layer that we all know as Star Wars fans, which is the icing of the cake is, does it feel like Star Wars? Does it, you know, fit in with what we understand Star Wars to be all about? Like there's just mm-hmm. sort of the spirit of Star Wars that somebody has to get, yeah. you know, and that's where you get the Dave Filoni, John Favreau end, where those are a couple of the rare people that mm-hmm. almost everyone in the fandom agrees that they get it. So that's the part I worry about with Tony Gilroy. I have no doubt he can direct a great, you know, and this is a spy show, Steve, right? I think he could do a great job directing a spy show. I would just like someone else to write it for him, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know what, Steve? You turned me around. You turned my nugget around. Let's go on to our next topic. This is something we can both agree on that, that I think will make us happy. On our last episode, Steve, you wondered if yes. the deep, booming, bassy, didgeridoo-sounding noise at the beginning or almost the beginning of the Mandalorian Season 2 trailer might, in fact, not be a didgeridoo, but throat singing. Steve, do you care to explain briefly why that would be significant? Because if it was actually throat singing and not a instrument of our world, it more than likely is the Ithorian four throats from Jedi Fallen Order video game yes. that they were a part of that people went bananas for. Which I played a, I played a bunch of and I really enjoyed the game. I didn't finish it because... Because you're over 30? There is that. I won't get into how many hours I sunk into a couple other games that I also won't mention. Well, Steve, I have good news for you. Yes. Because that totally was throat singing. This was confirmed on StarWars.com. They had an article about the Mandalorian Season 2 trailer. And one thing they asked in the article was, is that throat singing? And their answer, yes. It says, the bass recorder used for the series theme last season included the masterful soundtrack composed by Ludwig Göransson. This season, we can expect the music to expand once more, introducing new instrumentation and the unmistakable sound of throat singing mm-hmm. as the Razor Crest first comes back into view. That's great. There you have it. This is one of the rare Mando Season 2 rumors that got official confirmation. 
Steve, speaking of the Mandalorian. Yes. The beloved Giancarlo. I wanted to call him Stanton. Esposito. <laughs> Giancarlo Esposito revealed. And by the way, Steve, this guy, it's so funny because he plays it so cool on the show. Jeff and I call him Moth Baller because he's just like, <laughs> the dude is just so cool, right? Yep. But in real life, he can't stop talking about Star Wars. So talk about the antithesis of Tony Gilroy. Giancarlo Esposito can't stop talking. And he revealed in an interview that there won't be just two seasons of Mando. And Steve, I'm going to evoke LeBron here, which I hate to do. Don't even. I'm going to do it for Jeff. Steve, not one season, Uh, not two, not three, but at least four seasons of The Mandalorian. And he says that in that fourth season is when we'll finally get some answers. That's not to say we're not going to learn some things in season two. Via People Magazine, Mm -hmm. Moff Baller said this. The next season of The Mandalorian is going to be very interesting, meaning season two, because you're going to start to find out the power of the child, what the child really means. You will also start to uncover the origins of the Darksaber that Moff Gideon has and how that plays into previous Star Wars history connected to the Clone Wars and other shows. Steve, is he like a giant nerd? Um, And you'll start to get a dramatic (laughs) sense of the territory. We're living in a universe that's huge and there's so much to explore. So I think this show is going to start to lay the groundwork for the depth and breadth that's going to come in season three and season four, where you're really going to start to get answers. Steve, are you dipping or flipping this nugget? I'm going to dip this. I'm going to bury it in the barbecue and swallow it down. Wait, Steve, is barbecue your top sauce? Because like, again, that's like the, that's the plus on top of the A. Is this an A for you or an A plus? It's an A only okay. because right. we already knew we already knew that Favreau from Favreau's mouth himself that a season three right. was already having was already being kind of written and batted batted around in John Favreau's high school sketchbook in his Trapper it's, Keeper. Yeah. So in that respect, a season three is is yeah okay. I mean, we figured that season four. You know, a lot of people threw around the idea of this being a four. A five, maybe max season show. Yep. But to have one of the actors already talking about it is nice. And if season two is put together as, I don't know, is entertainingly even a word? I mean, yes. If I like season two as much as I did season one, I'm not going to care if there's a ton of questions left over by the end of the season. Yes. If it starts to get slow and we're just like, you know, we're, we're dragging to the finale. That that could be problematic, but Favreau's still in charge. Right. Filoni's still there with him. Yep. As far as I'm concerned, they can do whatever they want. Steve, I think you really hit the nail on the head, which is that you can open up all the questions you want mm-hmm. and ignore as many answers as you want as long as the show is entertaining. Right. So I think that's a great point. I you know, there's no way we're not gonna get some answers. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact and and the good thing about this, Steve, he talks about the breadth and the depth of the show. And I think to think that they're laying a groundwork you know, season one felt to me like they were keeping it very simple in some ways. Oh, yeah. You know, narratively, it was like, sure. we are we are just staying with the Mando the whole time. Mm-hmm. And to expand the scope and get a little more ambitious is fantastic. I think it's exactly what the show needs. You know, I don't want season two to be just like season one. You know, I want it to get a little deeper. And it sounds like that's what we're going to get. I hope so. And 
I think the Toro Calican of season two, I think we're going to get another one. Oh, man. I hope he shows up, they introduce him, and he dies in the same episode. Yep. Dash Rendar. <gasps> I want him to... I want him to get into the episode. Oh, man. And I want him to get smoked. Steve, um, that would obviously involve the Outrider as well, right? Yes. I want the janky, rubbish Han Solo 2.0 to get smoked inside (laughs) his rubbish YT-1300 2.0. Yeah. The YT-2400 or something. Yeah, it's some sort of Corellian knockoff. To get smoked. Steve, this is like, you know how, you've heard how uh, uh, Tom Selleck was almost cast as Indiana Jones? I've heard that, and I, uh, I'm i glad he got a job at, in Three Men and a Baby. That was good. <laughs> so I think, like, I think you have, you know, the Tom Selleck to Harrison Ford's Han Solo. I think you're giving Dash Rendar a little too much credit. I think I am too, yeah. Actually, people like Tom Selleck. Um, I know. I think that'd be fantastic, Steve. Oh, and people love Dash Rendar. I, I'm, I'm hitting on Dash Rendar specifically because he's got a maniacal little subset of fans that I, I could never understand. But let's introduce him. Let's introduce him. Put a good actor in his shoes. Oh, who, Steve? Who would you cast? Who would you cast as well, Dash Rendar? Well, I've seen some artwork. I've seen like Dash Rendar artwork. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was actually in comics or uh, something to do with the books. I don't know who the actor specifically would be, but the shape and the look and the sculpt and everything. I've kind of got a Channing Tatum thing in my head. Oh, oh, wow. But that would be perfect. That's, I don't know if that's necessarily the person I want. I'm, I'm talking about the, the vision of the character. Right, right, right. But Steve, it, you know who I'm thinking, you know who I think would be hilarious? Um, Jeff. Jeff. Yes. No, Jeff right, is no. hilarious. <laughs> uh, who I think would be hilarious as Dash Rendar specifically is uh, why can't I think of his name? Good Lord, Twister with Helen Hunt and oh, Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. Well, we're gonna need a nice heater and some smelling salts because Paxton died. No. <gasps> oh God, I forgot. Right. Oh my gosh, you're right, yeah, Steve. So we're gonna have to do another casting decision on that one. <laughs> I don't know, Steve. It hasn't always stopped them before. Let's move on from that one. That's true, man. It's true. Steve, there's a great new feature that's been added to Disney Plus called Group Watch, a feature that enables up to seven Disney Plus suckers, I mean subscribers, to simultaneously view and react to a movie or series. (laughs) You know, so you can simultaneously watch one of the two series on Disney Plus, Steve. Group Watch is not a web browser extension or something limited to a laptop. So this to me is the key, Steve. Uh, It Mm -hmm. is available, with a few minor exceptions, on all connected platforms where Disney Plus can be viewed on screens of all sizes. So, Steve, in theory, and and, and they didn't say which platforms were excluded, but in theory, one person can be watching on a phone, another is watching on a laptop, another is watching on their PS4. Sure. Apparently, you can use emojis to react to things in the show. I think they're going to continue to build this out. I think people in general, not just Disney Plus, are going to figure out a better way to have this sort of communal viewing experience, but I think it's a good start. Steve, will you be group watching The Mandalorian Season 2? Nope. <laughs> Look, I understand the idea. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people are going to like it, but when I'm watching a brand new anything, especially a Star Wars thing, I was in the theater for a premiere Star Wars movie out in California. Yeah. 
good friend of mine, close friend of mine, sitting two seats over, at some point in the movie, leaned over and started making a joke to me during my first viewing of a brand new Star Wars movie. I'm a little afraid about where this is going, Steve. I wanted to end his life right there in the theater. (laughs) Just, like, the nerve. So, if I was watching this and I got into this group watch and there were emojis popping up like are they going to be on the screen is it going to be only on your phone uh, I, I think I they're going to no Steve interest. I think they're going to be on the screen no I would I would throw the TV <laughs> out the window I, I, I couldn't handle it yeah it, like if it was a rewatch or something and now I'm, I'm looking for different cues on the screen I'm looking at the scenery I'm not focused on the Mando or the right. child or whatever right maybe yeah but can't do it I hear you. I, I I couldn't deal with the distraction. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. And it's kind of weird too because it sounds like I mean you're just you're just emojiing it. If you do want to see the other people that you're with, like it doesn't sound like you're doing that through this service. It sounds like you're doing right. that offline on a separate device, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know how much value there is in doing this other than anchoring yourself to other people's schedule. So I'm fli- I'm flipping that. Oh, you're flipping it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, Steve just threw up the flip emoji on Skywalk Group Watch. <laughs> uh, actually, it was a it was a peach with a cloud puff. I don't know, Steve. This next item isn't something that we would always discuss on the Skywalk, but you know what? It was just so dang cool. Via StarWars.com, a High Republic lightsaber was recently revealed. It says, from the pages of the lightsaber collection, see Master Stellan Geos's Geos? Steve, do you know how to pronounce that name? I do not. I'm waiting for the first book to come out, and hopefully he's in it, and the narrator will give it to me. So anyways, this is a Jedi Master's Jedi weapon. This lightsaber, Steve, in the words of the late, great Krennic. Oh, it's beautiful. So to describe it for our listener... It sort of has a cross hilt like Kylo Ren's lightsaber, except yep. the difference being that it it kind of folds in. So it's sort of all pointing upward with the rest of the blade. And when the blade ignites, these cross guard thingies sort of fold out. And it's almost like they're containing the little side blades. And those those little under pieces, whatever alloy that's made out of, they, they curve up a little bit from the hilt. Right. In, in form uh like a, almost like a y shape right like with the blade yeah. right yeah very, kind of wide though it's not quite as stark as a y so they couldn't use it in the same way that kylo does to like press up against somebody in close quarters combat because it's sort of edged off by that alloy that you mentioned so it, it would seem to be more for the sake of like not having somebody else's lightsaber come down your lightsaber's blade and chop off your wrist what we can say conclusively is that the real purpose of these is to look mm-hmm. super cool Looks super cool. Maybe peel your orange. Something. <laughs> so I'm dipping this. It looks it looks really nice. Uh, I'd like to get a little bit more background on the functionality of it. But and Steve, like, there's no doubt that they knew it when they designed this thing because, like, how often do you see right a full page feature on StarWars.com that's just, hey, look at this new lightsaber design. Hell, yeah, we're gonna be selling these. Get oh, ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of uh, Disney selling us things, Steve. Mm-hmm. Disney Investor Day is coming up. This via Fanta Tracks, via Murphy's Multiverse, whatever the heck that is. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> the report says this, Steve. Disney's Investor Day webcast takes place Wednesday, October 7th, an event that regularly brings key information pertaining to future releases. Last year, we heard about Loki, WandaVision, The Falcon and Winter Soldier, The Animated What If, and the first season of The Mandalorian. 
This year will undoubtedly bring plenty of Marvel news, but there's also a good chance we will get information regarding the Kenobi and Captain Andor live action series, the Bad Batch animated show, and more. And when that news lands, you'll find it right here. So keep an eye on Fanta Tracks, Move Milkers. But anyway, that's the point, is that we could be getting uh, more information about The Mandalorian, Obi-Wan Show, and the Cassian Andor series. Potentially. Steve, are you dipping this nugget? I am dipping this nugget because we're in a funny time with COVID, with, with Lucasfilm, like, eye-dropping little bits of information out to us all the time. Mm-hmm. We've had some of these investor calls give us very little. We've had some of them give us a, a decent amount of decent amount of nuggets. Yeah, I would expect to get a little something out of this one. Yep. You know, it's it's not it's not the easiest listening. Some of the stuff just goes way over your head fast. Yeah, and we um, should note for the listeners that you sh- you should not listen to this. Like you should no. You can totally for, get a recap from somebody yeah. on Twitter. Wait for a rundown. Right. I don't expect to get anything Star Wars related that is going to be oh and yes we're doing a brand new series featuring the ghost of Kylo Ren. Right. You know, <laughs> I, if we get anything, we're going to get more of a production timeline yep and some some dates for some of these things right some updates and i think it's good to point out that you know i mean the 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 objective of this obviously is not to satiate us fans but at the same time it is to generate the interest Mm -hmm. in the investors that you know and that's where the fans do matter you know the investors have to feel like what they're doing is going to go over really well with the fans so that is why you do sometimes get these really cool little nuggets is because You know, they're trying to knock their socks off by saying, like, this is going to knock the fans' socks off. Steve, again, I think the state of Disney Plus in terms of volume of content is not good. No, it's not good. I I think COVID's had a little bit to do with it, but... Yep. Um, Steve, I think the state of I think the state of Disney Plus is sad. I mean, frankly, sad in what way, Brett? Sad like when you go to a party that nobody showed up for, Steve. You and I have been to those. <laughs> I feel like there were a couple of times in our ancient past, Steve, where I walked into a house and it was like me, you, and one other dude. You know, that's and like not, that's what Disney Plus is right now, Steve. Sounds like a couple of wakes I've been to. Right. <laughs> so it's like, which, you know, the point being, like there's really good stuff on Disney Plus, but not a lot of it. And I think, you know, if you go back to like three or four years and it was such a big deal that I think we even talked about it on, on the Skywalk, even though it had nothing to do with Star Wars, was like, Netflix was playing Monopoly back then, you know, they were investing. Mm-hmm. Netflix planted their trees like three, four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. And now they have a freaking crazy orchard of content. They do. They do. Disney now, they're being very careful about the stuff they make. They're not spending willy nilly. But, you know, I mean, if I had to choose an approach, you know, Netflix, Netflix puts out a bunch of crap, too. But they also hit more often just because they're taking more shots. Mm-hmm. Steve, I think the I think the one bombshell. And not even a bombshell, a little bombshell, a grenade uh, that could come out of that. There have been rumors of a of a Rebels sequel series. Oh, yeah. Our friends at the Kessel Run Transmissions yes. have been singing that song for a long time now. They've been adamant, and they're almost always right, Steve. And, and some, some of the stuff was kind of... Some of the stuff was the Rebel sequel series, the Bad Batch. That stuff was maybe not Bad Batch, but... Kind of foreseeable. If yeah. you if you listen to what Dave Filoni has said in the past about some of these characters and mm-hmm. the future of their stories, uh, th- there was some crumbs. So are you suggesting that they possibly followed the trajectory of the truth like Benoit Blanc? I'm going to have to take your word for it because I haven't seen that film yet. <laughs> what? Steve! I, ha- I haven't seen the film. I, I mean, it's available to me. I can watch it. Goodness, it was like filmed like three miles away from you. Where was it? Um, Knives Out? Yeah. 
Where they film that? Oh, it's near Foxborough. There's. What are you talking about, dude? I live in Wilmington. Same thing, Steve. You live in Western Mass, as far as I'm concerned. You live in Chelsea, don't you? (laughs) No, I live in a different COVID hub. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot what we were talking about. Uh, We were just talking about what they could possibly reveal at this Investors Day. The Rebel series. I hope we do get a Rebel sequel series. Of course, Steve. Of course. Maybe maybe it's fool's gold because to me, the best five minutes of that series. Which is not a knock on the rest of the series because I thought it was all great. But the last five mm-hmm. minutes were the best five minutes of that series. Possibly because of the hope that it represented of, you know. You're talking about the epilogue? Yeah, the epilogue the with epilogue. Ahsoka yeah, the Wise yeah, yeah. showing up and, and her and Sabine getting ready, you know, for the search for Ezra. I mean, man, like yeah. what could be cooler than that? I want to see that. I mean, <sighs> they, they left it open like that for a reason. That yeah. just wasn't some dead oh, yeah. thing like like right. so. the difference between a Filoni cliffhanger and a JJ cliffhanger is that one of them has a plan come on bro <laughs> remember you know what I'll say about the sequel, the sequel trilogy series yeah for as much as I think The Last Jedi is a really good film yep and okay maybe some of the maybe some of the things in it I didn't love or could have you know whatever right I think the sequel trilogy would have I think it might have been better served had the team of J.J. and Lawrence Kasdan oh, yes. stayed with it through the trilogy. Right. And, you know, that kind of that kind of goes to what we talked about before, which is like Lawrence Kasdan is part of the DNA of Star Wars. Of course. Oh, yeah. So, like, there's no question when he's writing, it is Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And J.J. is capable of good writing, too. But I think sure. to have, you know, sort of the experience of Lawrence Kasdan, it was a match made in heaven. Steve, one of the things, mm. what my dream would be, you know, Lawrence Kasdan, as, as I'm sure you know, originally signed on for Solo before he got involved with The Force Awakens. Was it even him and his, him and his son were going to yes. kind of helm the screenplay for a Solo movie? And I think they did. I, still, I think they still did in the end. It was, it was both of them. So, so that's what he came in for. To have that movie directed by J.J. from the get-go, I think, I think we'd be talking about it so much differently. I think mm-hmm. it could have been the most beloved Star Wars film of all time, or at least of, of the new era, right? Since the Disney acquisition. Sure. Anyway, Steve, my yeah. recommendation for today. Yeah. You may, now that I'm saying this, I think a few years back, this is something I crapped on, and you came to its defense which just further demonstrates your Jedi wisdom and your ability to see things before they happen. I am a prognosticator. What is what is this ridiculous 2D Star Wars show on YouTube? Uh, Destinies of Adventure, Sword of Destiny, something. What's it called, Steve? I know you know this. What? Oh, what's it called? Oh, the Star Wars. Are you talking about Star Wars Forces of Destiny? Forces of Destiny. There you go. That 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 two D animation thing that's yes. completely built for kids, but everybody that looks like me and you crap on it. Yes, exactly. Because they think it's for adults. Because it was made in Flash in two thousand five. Well, yeah. Steve, I just want to say about that show. Uh, the last couple episodes, they were so good. They were both Galaxy's Edge centric. They were both Batu centric. Oh, no kidding. Now, Steve, I haven't been to Batu. Have you been to Batu? I'm way behind on those Forces of Destiny episodes, so... That's okay. Just watch those two, Steve. Oh, the last two episodes were so good because they took place on Batu. And, Steve, Batu as a place in Star Wars canon. I mean, I can't give them enough credit for figuring out that that place is not just a, a Disney theme park. The concept of... Building a theme park that would be part of Star Wars canon 
mm-hmm. and part of a continuing narrative in Star Wars is so freaking brilliant. You know, I've heard from people, I'm mm-hmm. sure you've heard the affinity that people have for the place. The people that have been there. They love it. How every other day is just like, man, I wish I was back in Batu. <laughs> yeah. The only complaint I've ever heard from anybody is if it's really busy there that day and they have to wait. Or I went there and I got COVID. Uh, they got the Rona. <laughs> um, anytime I've heard people talk about the actual experience of the places there, they've always loved them. Steve, it's at the point where when people say like, oh, I wish I was back in Batu," I'm like, yeah, me too. And then I remember I've never been there. I, I just think they've done such a good job with it. And then I didn't realize how much I want Batu content, which is nuts. Have you read the book? Black Spire Post? No, I haven't. That? Have you read it? Yeah, it's really good. Okay. I really enjoyed it. This is Brett. This is Steve. And we're just talking about Star Wars all the time on the Skywalk. Oh, <laughs>